And welcome back. I'm Mike with another episode of the Turntable Teachers. Class is officially back in session. And thank you so much for tuning in wherever you may be listening. This is another quarantine edition of the podcast. Of course, we here hope that everyone listening is safe and healthy and that your loved ones are safe and healthy during this time. Whichever platform that you use to stream your podcasts, it would be awesome if you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating if it's applicable. It really helps us a ton and we really appreciate it. Make sure you follow our socials on Instagram at Turntable Teachers, as well as our website, www.turntableteachers.com to keep up with all the latest on our show, including merchandise, playlists, episodes, blogs, and more. Speaking of blogs, we've actually added two new members to our team who will be exclusively blog writers for us, and I'm so excited to announce them right now. The first is Eric Kanan, who is a fellow Massachusetts teacher and host of the brand new teaching and coaching podcast called the TNC Podcast. We are actually going to be partnering with Eric's brand new podcast, so we are so excited for that and to have him on our show as a blog writer. So welcome, Eric, to the team. You guys have may have heard him already, like old, old uh, fans of our show. If you heard our Boston Calling review from last year, he was actually on that. So he's going to be an awesome addition to our staff here. And we have also added author, poet, and writing tutor, Dia Hampton to the show as a blog writer as well. Make sure you follow her on Instagram for all of her poetry and writing at Dia Hampton. And welcome, Dia. Welcome, Eric. We are so excited to have both of you as members of our team. Make sure you guys also follow our YouTube page, which is uh, gaining some steam here with some new video content. We've started to do a lot more video in the last month or so so make sure you guys head there and subscribe there we got a lot of really awesome video content coming to you very soon and speaking of video last but not least make sure you join us every thursday night on instagram live from 8 p.m to 10 p.m eastern standard time for our brand new night school live series where we have guests and guest artists on the show every week to share and discover brand new music We take song submissions and requests from the audience during every show and on the promo posts that we do on Instagram prior. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure you tune in on Thursdays at 8. But if you can't make it during a week or can't make it at all, no worries. We have a Spotify playlist titled Night School Live Sessions, and we update it weekly with the best songs from each episode uh, as well as brand new music that has just come out. Uh, we really we update that every Friday, so make sure you give that a like or a follow on Spotify to hear the latest and new underground music that you may have never heard before. So again, make sure you guys follow that Spotify playlist. It will be linked in the description of this episode and is also uh, linked in our bio on Instagram. For today's episode... I am going to be giving you guys some more album reviews. I know last week I finally started to kind of jump into some music that's come out in 2020 so far. I reviewed new albums from Eminem, Halsey, Mac Miller, and Tame Impala last week. So make sure you go check that episode out if you have not yet. And if you have listened to that episode, you know which four albums are coming in this episode. And the first I'm going to talk about is an album that has obviously just completely 
exploded in the modern rap scene. And of course, I'm talking about Lil Uzi Vert's Eternal Take. Uh, so I know that Eternal Take kind of came out in two parts. It came out with the standard version, and then there was like a bonus disc that came out maybe a week or two later. I am just going to focus on the standard disc for this review. I, I didn't really get into the second second disc at all, so just for the sake of that as well, uh, and to keep it a little bit shorter and not so long-winded, I'm just going to focus on the standard edition. But yeah, so Lil Uzi Vert, man, he's a 25-year-old rapper from Philly. He's one of the artists that really made the triplet flow be so prominent in hip-hop. Guys like him, the Migos, Playboy Cardi, the list kind of goes on there. Uh, in terms for me, from my enjoyment from Lil Uzi Vert, I haven't really listened to a lot of his music in the past. I've heard some songs. Obviously, I've heard like EXO Tour Life. There was another song off Love Is Rage 2 uh, called The Way Life Goes where he samples a song from Oh Wonder, who's a group that I really enjoy. And was surprised to see that he sampled that song because I didn't think that that was a song that a lot of rappers really knew. So coming into this album, I really didn't know what to expect because, like I said, I haven't listened to him a ton. And I wasn't honestly expecting to like this very much. I'm not going to lie to you. But I will say this. This was a super surprising listen for me. Uh, kind of crazy how this album actually gave me some like nostalgia at times. Brought me back to... And I can really hear some of the influences that he's using in this album. And I think this album is actually pretty decent. And I am shocked that I like it as much as I do. Just to kind of give you an example of the nostalgia feeling, on a track like Pop, I love how he used the old school, like early 2000s, Dirty South Trap sort of influences. And it, and it sounds very like refined and almost modern in that sense. I don't love this song, but I see the appeal of it. And it makes sense within the scape of today's music. But he's still drawing from some of those influences that were used in the past. So super cool there. Silly Watch is a silly good song. I love the flow that he uses on that. I thought the piano is super maniacal and mixed with like that banging 808. This song is freaking bananas, man. I love this song a ton. I also really like Homecoming a ton as well. I like the sample that he uses here. It's really bouncy. He really kind of reminds me here of like some Lil Wayne inflections. And, and I hear that a lot in his music. And he definitely isn't a one-trick pony uh, in terms of his flows. Like he does utilize the triplet flow pretty well, but he does switch out of it a ton as well. He gives like some sing-songing flows. He, he definitely brings a lot to the table. Another example would be a song like I'm Sorry, which is a little bit more electro-pop, but he brings some more like Ty Dolla Sign inflections to this song. And this song to me is actually one of his most focused on the actual album, which brings me to the only really downfall I have with this album is that there's not a ton of substance but I also don't inherently think that's a bad thing, especially here, because I don't think that's really what he's going for. I think he's going more for a fun and more creative sound. I think it's incredible that he finds some really cool pockets and controls his tempo within his rhymes and within the melodies and certain instruments that he uses. Honestly, I like this album quite a bit. I think the first half is a little bit better. It has a little bit more energy in terms of some of the production. Like, of course, on songs like Low Main, Silly Watch, as I mentioned, Homecoming, those are all just like straight up bangers that are really like in your face. And even the song You Better Move, which I had to look up his age. That's why I mentioned earlier he's 25. So I'm, I'm 26. I'm roughly in the same age bracket as Lil Uzi Vert. 
and there used to be this old pinball game. I don't know if anybody in my age bracket remembers this. This old pinball game that used to come on the Windows, like old Windows uh, computers, and I used to play it constantly as a kid, and I shit you not, he definitely samples that on You Better Move. Like you hear that, like with that sound, like anybody that has played that that game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But like sampling this pinball game wouldn't make a ton of sense in a song, but he somehow finds a way to make it work. It really sounds like something that JPEG Mafia would have done, honestly. And he has a really cool like Zoom reference, which used to be on PBS all the time. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that I used to watch all the time. So like there was just so much like nostalgia going on while I was listening to this song as well. And throughout the whole project, there was a ton of nostalgia, as I've mentioned a little earlier. So so surprised that he was able to connect with me as much as he did here, honestly. Towards the middle of this album, just when like I expect this to go downhill and not like it, because my thought process is, okay, this sound, it works, but does it work over a long period of time? That was really my, my one concern as I was listening to this album. I was really concerned that it was going to get a little stale and saney, but he actually switches it up quite a bit. I'd say I'm Sorry is kind of the, the point where the sound switches just a little bit, and he brings in much more like soul-driven uh, production that's sprinkled with like some vocal samples here on out, uh, really on some songs like Chrome Heart Tags, which is kind of more, more of like a smoky vibe. It's got some watery keys. Uh, the female vocal sample in the back in the backing vocals are a super nice touch. I love that song a ton. He brings in a choir sample on a song like Prices, which is super cool. Celebration Station has some really nice backing vocals that provide great blends and break up some of the monotony that is in this song and really in, within the album. But he, like I said, he brings in so many other influences and different sounds in this last half of this album that he breaks it up and really surprises me here. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. He used some gospel influences and, and soul influences. There's some, like I said, there's some really great songs in the back half of here, like like all the ones I just mentioned. But I definitely think the best song on the second half of this album is is Urgency. I think it's just like a gorgeous moment. A little duet action going on there with Sid of the Internet, whom I've been such a big fan of for a long time. And yeah, I mean, this album, man, I, I listen to it. I like it a lot. I even really like the Bigger Than Life song on here, too. I think the guitar is super cool, and he gives more gospel influence on this and another song like Bust Me. These songs I can literally see myself going back to. There's a ton of replay value here and songs that have their place in different settings. So shame on me, honestly, because I was coming into this and I kind of prejudged it just based off that I didn't really like a lot of Lil Uzi Vert's past work. But really, this is an awesome album and an album that, you know, maybe is it, not, is it my favorite album this year? No, of course not. But I can see its place and it has even a place for my listening as well. And I'm really interested to see what Uzi kind of does and goes from here. And I, I think I do need to actually go back now and listen to the second half of Eternal A Take or, or that, that second disc because I like I said, I, I took a lot of songs here that are gonna be like super in my heavy rotation. Definitely my favorite songs here, Urgency. I love that song. I think Chrome Heart Tags is really great. Like I said, I love those watery keys and that vibe that he uses in that song. Silly Watch is another just banger that I love. 
Same thing with Homecoming. And honestly, I'm going to take uh, I'm Sorry as well because I like that electro pop influence that he uses here. And I, like I said, I think this is his most focused song on the entire project. Bad songs, I wouldn't even say that there's like a necessarily a bad song here. I mean, I don't love pop, but for what it is, I understand it. And I like the influence he was trying to bring out of it. Besides that, I don't have a really lot of bad things to say about this, which is just shocking to me. I guess I'll grade it like a, like about a mid B. Let's say a solid B, like 84, 85. I think this really is a project that has a lot of positives to it. And if you don't like this style of music, I just suggest try it because I normally don't listen to the triplet flow that are that get a lot of the the mainstream appeal, especially from you know teenagers and stuff like that. I can't, walked away from this liking a majority of this album, and I'm I'm stunned. So definitely uh, gets a, a nod from me and a recommendation, which blows my mind that I like this album more than the next two albums I'm going to talk to you about ironically thinking that these two albums that I'm going to talk about next I thought for sure I would like more than this little Uzi Vert which just leads me to believe 2020 is the year of the unexpected and the unpredictable and just the fucking crazy like that is literally 2020 in a nutshell we're talking coronavirus we're talking death of Kobe Bryant I mean holy shit what a year and on top of all that comes with a year where I like a little Uzi Vert album more than I like a Childish Gambino and J Electronica album. That is beyond mind-blowing to me. And that's where I'm going to lead into is J Electronica's debut project, A Written Testimony. I know the precursor is I didn't like this as much as uh, Eternal Take, which is just super disappointing. Just to give you some background on J Electronica, uh, he just is recently signed to Rock Nation and he, I first heard him on Most Def's album uh, from way back. He was featured on the Ecstatic, which came out in 2009. And I don't want to say that I always dissociated J Electronica with Most Def, because I wouldn't consider that the case. But it's not like J Electronica has put out a ton of music over the last 10 years. I mean, this album that we just got, A Written Testimony, has been talked about for so long it was almost one of those things where it was like, uh, you know, Dr. Dre and his detox album. Like we we never thought we'd get it. We still probably aren't. I mean, some people debated that Compton was really it or like in place of it. And, and detox is never going to see the light of day. But regardless, I, I kind of felt like Jay Electronica was in that boat. You know what I mean? Like I was always just concerned. I was like, is Jay Electronica ever going to drop an album? And really the only song that I would listen to a ton from him was Exhibit C, which is a great song, but it's only one song. And I was dying for some more Jay Electronica. And I, this was such a highly anticipated release, not only for me, but for everybody. And now that it's here, uh, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine, my friend Aaron, shout out Aaron, who didn't really care for this much either. And I really want to talk about why that is right now. I, I think that this is an interesting release. And I want to start off by saying that, you know, for positives, I think it's super poetic and it has a lot of really nice lyrical moments. And because Jay Electronica is a quality rapper, he is a, a f actually probably a above average rapper, if anything. Uh, but overall, this album just feels a little uninspired to me. Uh, I think a lot of the verses are cool, 
but it feels more like stream of consciousness than it does anything super focused. On this album, Jay-Z is actually featured on like every single song. Like I don't think there's a single song, I think the only song he isn't on is Fruits of the Spirit, which is one of my highlights I'll talk about in just a minute. But I I felt like the use of Jay-Z here, I was a little disappointed that Jay-Z was on here so much because I felt like he was a little bit of a crutch for the making of this project. Like I almost felt this was like an uninspired Watch the Throne rather than Jay Electronica's debut album, if that makes sense. There's just a lot of like forgettable songs. And again, they're not bad songs. I'm not sitting here saying that any of this music is whack because it's certainly not. So this album opens up a little bit interesting because uh, the song, the first song is titled The Overwhelming Event. And here he's talking a lot about his like Islamic background, uh, especially, and sort of just like focusing on a lot of political commentary and things like that. I'm hearing a lot of like Tribe Called Quest vibes, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, I love Tribe Called Quest. Midnight Marauders is one of my favorite albums of all time. But the problem is, is if I want to listen to Tribe Called Quest, I'd rather just go listen to Tribe Called Quest than this, if that makes sense. And this kind of comes up again a little bit later with Never Ending Story, which gives me some Roots vibes. And again, I'm a huge fan of the Roots. I think that they're a phenomenal band and and, and group, like one of the best of all time. And again, it's not bad that it sounds like that, but that's the problem. Like if I wanted to listen to that sound of hip hop, like if I wanted to listen to, you know, sounds that are similar to the Roots, I'd rather just listen to the Roots because I think they do it better. And same thing with Tribe. I think Tribe does a lot of these types of songs in the past that they have done it better. I don't think Jay Electronic is really bringing anything new or inspirational to these sounds. I don't think he's doing anything that's leaving me wanting to come back again. And again, same thing on a song like Shiny Suit Theory. Uh, you know, I think the it has a really cool most most deaf vibe with the way that the keys are pitched. But again, I'd rather just go listen to most Def's music. Universal Soldier sounds like he's rhyming almost like Aesop Rock, but I don't think he quite do it as well as Aesop does. So I would go listen, just rather go listen to Aesop. So for me, I think Jay Electronica has a hard time figuring out what kind of artist he wants to be or, or what kind of sound is going to suit him the best. I'm a little bit disappointed because I feel like he should have gone over more production like we saw on Exhibit C, which is one of his you know, most popular songs. Another track like The Blinding, I felt this song, despite the fact that Jay Electronica switches up his flow like super effortlessly here, I think it's really impressive the way that he's able to do that on this song. But it's a weird pairing with Travis Scott and Swiss Beats. I don't really care for the beat as much and I don't think it fits Travis Scott. Travis Scott's also barely in it and not utilized in it as well so I thought that was kind of an interesting choice. I don't think it's as dynamic as it could have been and yeah then there's other songs too that I just don't care for like a song like Flux Capacitor like not sure what's really going on with this song like the beat is just a total mess. Hard pass on this one and the most annoying part is like the outro instrumental switch up and it's like actually really dope. And I wish that they had used that beat the entire time. And again, I think some of the choices that he has on this project, like having Jay-Z be, be such a big part of it, it, just, it, it took away from a lot of what I wanted from Jay Electronica, for me personally. 
really the highlight to me on this album is the one standalone song that only has Jay Electronica and not Jay-Z, which is Fruits of the Spirit. Uh, figures the, that this is the best song on the album, and of course it's the shortest one. And I really like the choir sample here. I think it gives it a ton of life. The guitars like almost glisten on this song, and Jay is just like in his pocket. I think this is like the best showcase of like the true poetic nuance that he brings in a lot of his music, but it's it's so highlighted here that it makes it the by far like the best moment on the album. But I just wish that he had done it a little bit more throughout this project. And then he has the dream on a couple of songs. He has him on Ezekiel's Wheel, which is definitely better in terms of the sonic appeal i thought the dream uh he does some like weird extension on like the final note of the hook and i think that it has a nice like frank ocean or like old odd future style vibe you know so overall i mean i keep coming back to this i just think that this release is a little forgettable and i'm disappointed because i was really looking forward to this j electronic album when we finally had the release that this was going to come out i was super stoked when it came out i was super stoked to hear it and I, the, I remember the first time I listened to it, I just was like, that's it. This is it. The best songs here to me I'm going to sit with are probably just Fruits of the Spirit, uh, Ezekiel's Wheel. I think those are the only two songs I'm going to take from this album that I really feel like I'll come back to. I think the worst songs here are by far Flux Capacitor. Like I said, I yeah, you know that, that beat is just not for me. Like I said, definitely a disappointing release here from J Electronica. I would like to see a little bit more from just him at some point. And I, that's, I think, what I wanted as a fan. And don't feel like I really got. Uh, I'm feeling like a, a C, C minus. Just This is just such an average album to me. And I don't think that I'm going to be coming back to it nearly as much as I'd hoped, unfortunately. And again, I think the same goes for Childish Gambino's new album, 31520. Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, he is a rapper, he's a musician, he's an actor, he's a comedian, he's a producer, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a film show producer, show writer, I mean, what, this man has so many talents, so many tricks up his sleeve all the time, I have loved his albums from the start, 2011's Camp, it was feel good, it was sample based, it had like some mainstream influences, I remember listening to this right when it came out, and just loving it and being infatuated with his sound. And I've really loved the progression he has had in his music since then. After camp, he had his breakout mixtape, Royalty, which focused on a lot more like a hardcore rap influences. He had guys like Schoolboy Q on that one, ASAP Rocky, Danny Brown, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think he definitely, on this album, excuse me, mixtape, really showed off a different side of Donald Glover, really or Childish Gambino, and then 2013's Because the Internet, I mean, is one of those albums that's revered as one of the best albums of the 2010s, especially when you're talking about experimental hip-hop. You know, he was experimenting with a lot of electronic and even futuristic alternative-type styles that we do see on this album that we're going to talk about today, but feel like was a little bit more fleshed out and more focused on Because the Internet. And then from there, took a little bit of a hiatus, but then what came in strong with 2016's Awaken My Love, where he kind of had more throwback neo-soul and psychedelic rock and funk influences on that album. And that's one of my favorite albums of all time. 
certainly one of my favorite albums of the 2010s. And then from there, it comes out with This Is America in 2018, which just, of course, was everywhere that year and was one of the most polarizing songs that has come out in the last few years. But we hadn't heard a full-length Childish Gambino project since 2016's Awaken My Love. And honestly, I was a little bit you know, sad by that because I love Childish Gambino's music and I was super stoked that he was kind of consistently coming out with, with music. But then I think he kind of took some time to focus on some other things like maybe Atlanta, uh, the TV show, and sort of in other projects. But we finally get some more Childish Gambino music and kind of falls flat, unfortunately. Uh, this album to me just feels so rushed, whether you're talking about the sound, even just the title, like he only titled it the date that it came out. And then past a song like uh, Time, none of the songs are, have names. They're just like, they almost seem to me like demos, really. Very reminiscent of like Kendrick Lamar's Unmastered Untitled that he dropped uh, a couple years ago. I think you can definitely draw some parallels from that project to this new Childish Gambino one. You know, in this album, again, it feels very rushed and thrown together, which is ironic because, again, we haven't heard an album from him in four years. So my thought process was when I heard Childish Gambino was maybe going to put out a new project that it was going to be focused. It was going to be something that was uh, cohesive, a lot like Awaken My Love and Because the Internet. A couple of you know years where we've heard... Um, um, that little EP he did that was, had like that tropical feeling. I think it's called Kawaii or something like that, or Kawaii or, or something along the lines of that. And of course, he had a couple of singles like Feels Like Summer, which shows up on this album as just the timestamp in which it starts. So definitely when I saw this, it threw me for a curveball. And like I said, whether you want to talk about the lack of cohesiveness, first of all, or the lack of song titles, the lack of, a, I mean, cover art, for Christ's sakes. This, this feels like Gambino had a bunch of demos and ideas that he had for music, and he didn't know what to do with them, and he didn't want them sitting around collecting dust, so he was just like, screw it. Here is all of it. I'm not even going to bother with the song titles or anything like that. Here's just like all the music I've been working on as is. Here you go. And I don't think that was the best strategy for him, given that the strategy he's had with, like I said, cohesive projects has worked for him. This album to me just sounds like kind of a mix of Because the Internet and Awaken My Love, like somewhere in that middle ground. And he's really unsure what this overall sound, what he wants it to be. There's just so much thrown together here. For example, I don't know what in the world he's thinking with starting off his album like this. I mean, that sample is on a loop for three entire minutes. I kept, when I first heard this song, I kept thinking, okay, when is this going to be a song? When is this going to stop? Like, I feel like you could use this pretty well for like torture. Like I feel like if you want to torture somebody, this would be perfect. And then from there, it goes right into algorithm. I can't lie, I jammed to this song hard. I think that this is one of the best songs on the album, no question. And this came on, I'm dancing, I'm grooving to this shit until this part. This part irks the living shit out of me. Like, are you kidding? So if you tuned into my Tusi Slide review on one of the past episodes, you know exactly what I'm about to say here. It feels like Gambino is trying to get into the TikTok movement now with this. Like, I'm going to be honest here. I think TikTok is ruining music because it's really making it, like, so basic. 
in terms of, of what music should be and like, you know, all these trends and fads get so hot with TikTok and there's no creativity whatsoever with it. It's this reminds me of what Tootsie Sly might be like in like 2120. You know what I mean? Like on a hundred years during the next pandemic when like when robots take over, you know what I'm saying? Like iRobot I will be like the number one thing streamed on Netflix at that point and shit, not friggin' contagion. Which by the way, not to go off on this rant, but like it really bothers me that when you go on some of these streaming services like Netflix and shit, that contagion, right? There is like the number one watched movie. Right. Or like, I mean, it was even going on Netflix the other day and there's a new series called Pandemic. Like, like, I don't know why people are so infatuated with watching things about pandemics during a pandemic. I, I just I'll, I don't think I'll ever understand it. But that's a conversation for another day. Back to algorithm. Uh, yeah. Like I said, good song, except for that middle part that I just don't understand why it's there it doesn't need to be there gambino drake you guys don't have to get into the tiktok movement you are you are bigger than that you are above that stay out of it it just it just doesn't make sense to me and then a song like time right which i have some gripes about gripes about about like how slowly it kind of takes to get started and really that is the problem with like i think a lot of these tracks is that they take way too long to get going i think if he cut out like a minute or two of the beginning of most of these songs this would actually be a better album and i think that that kind of goes back to mixing them properly and 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 crafting them properly and not making them sound so much like demos uh time is a better one of the better songs on this project it's a little samey throughout most of it but it is starting to grow on me the more i listen to it I really like Ariana's presence on the track. I think the guitars are super beautiful. Um, I like the use of the choir. It, it, it feels very Kanye-esque. This song is, is, is a solid listen for sure. And then the next track, 1238, uh, it's got a really cool like Neptune's Pharrell groove to it. And same thing, I think it gets a little too samey and just when I'm about to get kind of bored with the song, 21 Savage gives this track a much needed contrast and switch up. I like how he rides this beat, how it's a little bit more, you know, minimal and lo-fi and he's able to kind of do some things with it that really impressed me. And that was a really great feature that Gambino kind of put in. But the rest of this album to me is kind of all over the place and a little bit of a mess. Like there are some songs like 2419 and 4748 that sound like a mix of his last album and something like, I don't know, let's say like a Yeezus. Um, which make for like a very futuristic listen that's maybe too ahead of its time. You know, I, I think that's part of the problem with this album too. It's a little too ahead of its time. And I, and I don't think people are really going to be able to get on board with a lot of these sounds. There are some listenable songs in, in the back half of the, of the album. Uh, I think 1910 is a smooth, like old cut R&B tune. And then 3531 is a really cool, like folk indie style song uh, it's bouncy it's light it's super catchy it's not one of my favorite songs here or really my favorite songs that he's done but it's one of the better it's in the better half of the songs on this project for sure feels like summer or you know 42 26 quote unquote really that ends up being the best track in the back half of this project and then with a total train wreck at the end of this album with 5349 with like some grime and punk influences that are just messy at best uh yeah this just overall this album just feels like a it feels scatterbrained it feels like just throwing shit at the wall and seeing like what sticks Uh, really what it feels like to me 
really a lot of this album doesn't stick the landing nearly in the way that it should. Uh, I think the best songs here to maybe keep her algorithm, despite that brutal, like cringy middle middle part. Uh, Time, I think, is, is like I said, that song is definitely growing on me. 1239 might be the best song here with a great 21 Savage feature. And then Feels Like Summer or 4226. I think those are probably the best songs here. And the worst ones are for sure 5349, uh, 3928, and 4748. I just, I couldn't get into like the real, like, and I like experimental alternative music. I'm all for trying new things and trying new sounds, but they need to have some sort of direction. And I just don't feel like a lot of these songs have that, unfortunately. And I'm probably going to go on this album with like maybe a, I say a mid C or a high C plus just because maybe, and I'm only maybe saying that just because it's Gambino. I think if this wasn't Gambino, I think my bias might have this even, even a little bit worse. So there's really only a handful of tracks I'm going to take from this. And honestly, this is by far when looking at Gambino's discography to me, this has to be his worst project. And that's really disappointing because I was looking forward to some new Gambino. And unfortunately I'm only taking away a handful of songs here and yeah so i'm i guys i'm not feeling this album i'm sorry it's just not not for me unfortunately but to end on a good note i do want to talk about an album that i've been listening to quite a bit from 0705 and this album is titled my father's gun now this album is interesting i kind of came across this almost on accident really i I have heard 070 shake who it's who is featured on this album and seems like they definitely uh, not only have some chemistry, but they seem like they've worked together quite a bit in the past. I don't know if like if they're a part of the same camp or like they're a part of the same place. I know she was from New Jersey. I couldn't really figure out where Phi uh, is from. I'm, I'm assuming Philly. Those two areas are like very close to each other, so it's possible that even if he's from Philly, they you know they obviously could work work together for sure. This album is cool. If you're lo- I I don't think this is a guy that's super well known yet. But I, that's why I definitely want to try to get him out there and get people listening to him as much as possible because I think there is he has really something solid on this album. Uh, it has some influences of boom bap and old school, even like southern vibes and even some trap. So I think if you like any of that and like there and the or that blend of music in, entices you, I think you're gonna really enjoy this album. And and he's really saying something on this one. He's really depicting his his life growing up in the projects and kind of just like the overall struggle he had like growing up in in the environment that he was growing up in. And right away, this this album kicks off with just like a song that like really pulls you in with ten toes. Like I said, this song is super enticing. I love the acoustic guitar, and honestly, if you close your eyes. I feel it, it almost feels like that guitar is like in the room with you. It's like so clear and and bright. The way he's spitting over this instrumental, it's so emotionally driven. Uh, you know, he's talking a lot about like like really like gang violence and, and growing up in the projects and things like that. And things kind of happening for a reason. Like he was, he really opens up the song with like a line says something along the lines of his his nephew was born at the same time that a kid was murdered. And he's really showing a lot of these themes, like not only very early on, like but throughout. Really loving the substance and content that this album offers. And this is the first of a couple of times actually on the album where 0705 shows off not only his rapping ability, but his ability even as a singer for sure. Like I, I love the way in which 
He uses his vocals, his soft singing voice on the hook here. And then he even goes into some singing as well on a song like Cliff Diving. He like almost showing like some vocal range here. So this this guy is like super talented, whether it's from having a nice ear for some production or being a solid rapper and even being a very capable singer. I think he is able to hit so many different marks with this project. He has even some some bouncy and catchy songs here, like I'm talking a song like No Manas, which is probably my favorite track here. I think this song is a total banger. Uh, he has another track here called Take the Lead, which is super bouncy and catchy. It has a really nice groove to it. I think this is a really great track. Uh, the Deep End with 070 Shake. Her vocal contri contribution on this song is beautiful and brilliantly done. And I love the piano here as well. I think he does a really nice job of using some like live instrumentation that makes it, when you turn this on, it feels like it's in the room with you. Uh, I'm really enjoying this a lot of this album, guys. Another track, like 100 Bands, is another just boom-bap banger that he he presents on this project. It's an album that doesn't overstay its welcome with just like 10 songs, 36 minutes of runtime. But even despite that it doesn't overstay its welcome, it's really cool that he's able to wear so many different hats and bring in so many different instrumental sounds throughout this project. I'm, I'm really impressed with this project as a whole. Um, there's even other songs on here too, like I bought a Badu vinyl, referring to Erica Badu, of course. This song has some like super old school Southern grooves with the way like that the, that the synths are pitched. And then he ends this project with two amazingly smooth tracks called Gray Under Brims and Love Is Love Part 2. I love the hook on Love Is Love Part 2. He really, and then he gets into like, dives into some crazy like content and substance on this song in particular, basically talking about how he kind of runs to the beat of his own drum, overcoming the struggles of kind of coming from nothing and then trying to make something of himself. Uh, he even talks, he even touches upon, you know, him being a division one football uh, recruit and, and kind of giving up that life to pursue music. And really he kind of in within this song defines his own version of what like he sees as success for himself. And I just think that there's a lot of introspection that's done on this album. I think despite the fact that he brings in so many different sounds and styles, it's cohesive sounding given the way that he uses the instrumentals. And I'm really liking this album a lot. I think there's a lot to take from this album. Uh, but definitely my favorite tracks here are Ten Toes, No Manas, Love is Love Part 2, and Cliff Diving. Really, this is an album that I think you can just throw on from start to finish. It plays so nicely. And once it's done, you're going to be shocked that it's already over. And it kind of just comes and goes in that sense. Uh, I'm really liking this project a lot, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably throw this in like a high B high or low B plus, maybe 86, 87 range, because I think there's a lot that is positive to say about this project. So overall, man, I mean, we got four albums here. I, I definitely think that 0705 has the best album here uh, of the four followed by Lil Uzi Vert with Eternal Take, then probably going to go with Childish Gambino because I think that despite the album not being great, that there's some songs here that I still will come back to. And then bringing up the rear is probably Jay Electronica's album, unfortunately, which is one of those things where, I'm, like I said, I'm super stunned that that's the case. But again, these were just my opinions on these albums. Uh, make sure that you head over to our Instagram and find the promotional post for this episode and comment what you thought of these albums. Uh, what were your favorite tracks? Um, am I completely wrong? Open to talking to 
any of you guys about that. And yeah, that's that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have uh, some more exclusive album reviews coming soon. We'll be having some people join us via Zoom, so I can't wait to break down some more albums uh, on the channel. And as well, like I said, make sure you tune into our Instagram Live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 to find some new music. And there is plenty of more content on the way. Thank you guys again so much for tuning into the show. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is dismissed. Turn, 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 turn,